Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this opportunity this morning to sit at your feet, to hear your words of life, to open our hearts to be transformed by them. And so, Father, we come before you with open hearts, open ears, saying that we are willing to be willing to follow your will. Father, I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak only that, or would allow me to speak only that, which you would, which you would say in Jesus' name. Amen. You may notice a pamphlet in your outline of teaching notes. Um, earlier this month, we had suggested, asked that you would concentrate your your uh, time away from church Bible study on the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And so I'm not going to preach this whole thing this morning that's in your notes. Praise the Lord for your, all of us. But uh, I, I did want you to have some, some things available to study during the week. And so I, I kind of went a little bit further. And, and instead of just giving you the outline, I actually gave you my teaching notes so that there would be no question about what I was trying to say. Um, I'm just going to start with the preface, because I saw what Daryl's notes are, and we're kind of similar. And so the first thing I want to say is that Jesus said in, chap in John chapter 15, he talks about the branches and the vine. Uh, before I say that, let me also say, in the Bible, there are three lists of gifts of the Holy Spirit. We are concentrating on the list in 1 Corinthians 12, but there's also lists in Romans 12 and in Ephesians 4. And we will come back and revisit this in January, I'm sure. So, um, But I just wanted to point that out. And then in John chapter 15, Jesus says... Abide in me, in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. Now, as we look at the gifts of the Holy Spirit in First Corinthians, or in, yeah, in First Corinthians chapter 12, we realize that these gifts are given to edify the body of Christ. We've talked about that before, that it's to build up the body of Christ. And that's both inside the, the kingdom of God and outside of the kingdom of God. That's how Jesus brought in disciples. He would do miracles, and then they would listen to his teaching. In a sense, he earned the right to talk to them, to teach them, because he reached out and touched their point of need. I personally don't believe that evangelism has changed any more or any different. That today, we still need to build that bridge of love between God and somebody. And once we do that, then we earn the right to ask them if they know our friend Jesus. So as we talk about the gifts... We need the gifts, but I don't need the gifts for me. I need the gifts to be able to bless the body of Christ 
and to be an effective witness to those that do not yet know Jesus. And I can't do this in my own power. Jesus said it just said in, in John 15 that if I am not plugged into him, if his spirit is not moving in me, he's the vine, I'm the branch. Without his Holy Spirit, I can do nothing. And so it is that so much of the time, we are afraid of the gifts of the Spirit. We are afraid to be used by God because we're not sure if it's God or not. And we're not sure if we are worthy. But you know, there's no place in the Bible that says our works earn us anything with God. We are saved solely by grace, by God's riches at Christ's expense. That is what makes us worthy of being used by Jesus through his Holy Spirit. Today we're gonna to talk about the gifts of utterance. That would be knowledge, wisdom, prophecy. There are two other gifts of utterance tongues and interpretation, which Steve will address next week. The second thing I want to say is all the gifts work the same. You know, how did you become saved? You became saved by faith. You believed that Jesus Christ was the Son of God. You believed for, for whatever reason that he did die on the cross for your sins. And you believed that the Father would take the punishment meant for you and put on Jesus as he hung on that cross. And so now when God looks at you, he looks at you with love, not anger. He looks at you as he looks at Jesus, completely obedient in everything. That's how he sees you. And that's what makes you worthy to be used by the, by, by the Holy Spirit. It's because of what Jesus has already done. We receive that by faith. We, we come to the point that the Holy Spirit moved in our heart. And we just know that we know that we know that Jesus Christ is the Savior and we need him. And we receive him. How do the gifts of the Holy Spirit work? Warren is fond of saying that faith is the currency of the kingdom of God. The faith, the gifts of the Holy Spirit all work basically the same. By faith. God, the Holy Spirit, speaks something in us. We just have to be listening for it. And when he gives it to us, we believe that he said it. And then we do whatever he said for us to do. It might be a word of wisdom, which is what to do in a difficult situation. It might be a word of knowledge, which is something that you would have no way of knowing but it speaks to the other person's point of need, something they might not ever tell you or anybody, but the Holy Spirit told you not to judge them, but to love them and encourage them. Or it could be the gift of prophecy. Prophecy is simply saying something to somebody that Jesus would say to them. At the time, Jesus would want to say it. And so that's what we do, is 
the Holy Spirit moves in our heart, tells us, like, like with Warren, tells us what God is wanting to speak to somebody or to his people. And then we are just obedient to step out and do it. And sometimes in Warren's case, you get the whole word right away. Or a lot of times, like in my case, you get the first sentence and you have to trust the Holy Spirit for the rest. That's usually how God works, right? His word is a lamp unto my uh, path and a, a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. I can just see the next step. And, and, we, and I can step out in that because of faith. Here's the other thing. If I get it wrong, do you think Jesus is going to let somebody suffer because of that? He's got, a, he's got a backup plan, right? He's got a backup plan. That's why every prophecy is tested by two or three other prophets. That's why he's given us shepherds to protect us. And you know, I might get it wrong the first time, or maybe not 100% right. And that's okay. Because there'll be people around me to help fill in the gaps, to help say, yeah, God was saying that, but really the way he wanted to bring that across was, I love you instead of I'm upset with you. Or whatever it is. But the thing is, is I step out in faith and I try and I learn. Just like a baby learning how to walk, right? We take baby steps. The baby falls down. We don't say bad baby. No. We grab, we pick their hand. We help them stand up. And we say, okay, let's do it again. Let's try it again. And the final thing I want to say before Daryl comes up is this. It says that God, or the Holy Spirit, gives gifts severally to men. I believe every one of us has the ability to be used in any one of the gifts. And so what gift is the gift that we should be used in? It's the one that's needed right now, right? If someone needs healing... I need to trust the Holy Spirit if I'm the only one there or if I'm the one to do the he- to pray for the healing. I need to trust the Holy Spirit that he will heal through me, through my prayers, through, through the authority that I have in Jesus Christ. If someone's discouraged, I have to trust the Holy Spirit to make me an encourager to give me words of life to speak to them, the words that Jesus would speak to them in that situation. And so the gifts of the Spirit are not some hairy, scary, deep, secret type thing. It comes simply down to a willing Christian willing to be used by God when they see a need. God wants to touch that need. And if you're the one that's there with the opportunity, he wants to use you to do it. Okay, Daryl.
Good morning, church. Uh, you can tell we're in the end times because you have a printed outline from me before you. <laughs> Not a certificate of authenticity by a genuine original artist. So, um, but I want to give credit where credit's due, and, and that is uh, Leah typed it up for me. So. so when you see her, tell her, thank you, Leah. So, so this morning... Um, I want to share a sentiment that, uh, that Tom shared just a couple weeks ago. When you look at that the fact that there's nine gifts here, and we're not even looking at Romans 12, but nine gifts, each one of these here, the, wis- the gift of wisdom, the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge, you could do a sermon on each and every one of these. And I'm thinking to myself, ah, I got, there's this much and this little time. So, in reference to what Wayne had shared, um, I am not going to make this an endurance match for you this morning, believe it or not. I got my watch, and I'm looking at it, and, but when I, when I get to a, a good place to stop, I'm going to stop, because there, there is a lot that I could say, and so, on just the gift of prophecy, and that's what we're going to look at today. Wayne touched on the others, and I'm grateful that he did. Tom touched on the other gifts and an overview, and I'm grateful for that. But I'm on safe ground in saying that we're going to come back and revisit this early next year because I want to do these things due diligence, each one of them. And I don't want to try to lop off and give you just a... And and the same way that we looked at the attributes of God. Remember how long that took? God was not in a hurry. If we, if we look at the one who's created us and gives us the gifts, I, th- I think t- to be a good steward of our relationship, it's to give that same due diligence and however long that takes to look at the gifts of the Spirit, then that's what we're going to do. That's what I'm going to do. And uh, for, for our glory, to, hit, to our good, for His glory. So having, having said that, I want to direct your thoughts and going on here that we are going to look at the gift of prophecy today so I'm going to just zero in on that and give you some practical nuts and bolts things here that I've that I've come to experience and let's just let me say at the outset that experience is not the final authority here scripture is the final authority we will experience a lot of things in in the gifts of the spirit and growing up but it's not the experience that defines. It's the Word of God and what the Holy Spirit guides and instructs us. So let me be clear on that. So turn with, you can turn with me this morning or up on the screen. I want to direct your attention to a couple scriptures here. Uh, the first one from Acts chapter 2, verse 16. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be, God declares, that I will pour out my Spirit on a few people. What was that? All flesh. All flesh. That's, that's pretty extensive, isn't it? All flesh is all flesh. And a few of you will prophesy. Oh, that's not what... It, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. So... I'm saying this because here 
when you look at the scripture, why is this important? There's a definitive time frame here. What is it? It's the last days. That began with the prophet Joel 400 years before even Christ appeared. He said, this is what will happen. And Peter said, this is the fulfillment of that. So if he's talking about Peter, the last days then, what are we in now? The last of the last days. So when anybody tries to throw an argument in your face, you know, if you're, if you're a lawyer in a court and you just try to come up with hearsay, you think hearsay is going to stand up in a court of law? Or oh, I heard somebody else say, or I've got this argument from silence. It doesn't work. Hermetically, her, with the law of hermeneutics, unclear passages are interpreted in the light of clear passages. That's, that's like, I'm going to build a bridge on what ifs. I'm sorry, what ifs do not build a bridge. So I'm saying this because there's a time frame. He says, this is what's going to happen. And if you'll see in there, you'll see that they will prophesy in the last days. You will see there that, who's it for? Your sons, your daughters, not mature senior citizens, not people who've been walking with the Lord. This, this is widespread. Your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. Your, may, your, your butlers and your, the maids, they're even going to be in on this. And they shall prophesy. He repeats it at the very end there. The second, the second passage then later on in that same chapter, um, in verse 38 and 39. And Peter said to them, this is after the crowd there at, on the day of Pentecost, said, brothers, what shall we do? And Peter said to them, repent, and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the Holy Ghost. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord God calls to himself. How many people does the Lord want to call to himself? That's a pretty big audience, isn't it? So here we've got two definitive things that describe what the Lord wants to do and, want, and reveals His heart that this is for you. And I know that this is a familiar passage to most of us, but I am putting this out there for those who maybe this is their first time hearing it or for the kids, the younger group in our, in our congregation here, to, that they can see this with their own eyes and think about it. That it, there, there's not a certain age where, you, where you, you, then all of a sudden, now you're qualified like Six Flags. You have to be this high to be able to go on a ride. No! Just consider Samuel for a minute. How old was Samuel? He, Samuel, he was a child. He didn't know any better. And yet, you see where the Lord met him. And one of the verses that has always intrigued me in that chapter where it talks about Samuel growing up in the temple, it says that none of his words fell to the ground. That's a pretty impressive statement. But that says something about the Lord 
and Samuel, the relationship they had, and how much that the Lord wanted to speak to Samuel and have that relationship with him. So at the outset, let me say this also, that the Lord wants us to hear his voice. He doesn't want us to be scared and say, well, what if it isn't? Or what if I fail? Or what? And and not even avoid it. And, And just not go there. And then... Finally, at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, you know, if you're a lawyer in a court, at the end of 1 Corinthians 14, starting at verse 37, we find these words. If anyone thinks that he is a prophet or spiritual, he should acknowledge that the things that I am writing to you are the command of the Lord. Some translations say the commandments of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So here it says, so my brothers. But in other translations, it uses a very familiar word, therefore. Earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order. So when there is a therefore, you can see grammatically that all the points preceding that are there to build the case and then come up to the final climactic statement. And this is the point that I want to grab your heart with and say. So when he says therefore, here's what it's there for. earnestly desire to prophesy. That's a pretty big statement for the Lord to make. Come on, guys. I want you to hear my voice. I want you to grow in confidence in hearing my voice. And I want you to be amazed at what I will do when you step out in the following of the leading of my spirit when I speak to you. So let me say this then. Everyone has a first time. Me too. Everyone has a first time. And you know what I did with my first time? Nothing. Nothing. I sat on my hands. The Lord gave me a word. It was a simple word. It had to do with God's love. And I I just sat on my hands because I thought, what if? Or, and I didn't. And then the Lord gave that very word to somebody else. And there I thought, you know, that the Lord wanted me to see that you did hear my voice. I brought it to another person, word for word. And so God brought me to a place then where I said, God, give me another chance. And how many of you know that God is the giver of second chances? Absolutely. Thank you. That's right. Thank you, Margaret. That's a very good point. So that brings me to this thing of practical observations on your sheet. And that is that God is extremely patient with each one of us. In in Wayne's uh, outline, and I I referenced this, he he talks about uh, Ananias. And... uh, and it's in Acts chapter 9, verses 13 through 17. And uh, here we see that the Lord gives him 
a bunch of different gifts that are connected with one another, the word of knowledge, the word of prophecy, the word of wisdom, and, and to pray for Saul's sight to be restored. He gets all of these things. And yet, what comes to the forefront in Ananias? But Lord, but Ananias answered, Lord, um, excuse me, you don't have the full picture here. Lord, have, I have heard from many about this man. Let me clue you in. Let me fill you in. God, you don't quite have it all together here. So let me inform you. So with all these things, you know, the fact that God speaks to him, he knows it's God speaking to him. And yet, what's the first thing that comes to the forefront? God, this is Saul. Do you know what Saul did? Do you know the authority that he has? What we don't know is in that conversation, we don't know how long that, ex that conversation extended. But if you look, to his credit, he came to that place and he did what the Lord led him to do. And so for us, in having a beginning, so I'm saying that the Lord is extremely patient with us and growing us in the gift to hear his voice and step out. And he wants to take us so that we go from this place of, Lord, I'm, I got a clue you in here, to the story of Philip and the, the Ethiopian in the chariot. And in that story of Philip and, and the, the, the Ethiopian in the chariot, it said the Lord spoke to Phil, Philip, go to that man. And what did, did Philip have the same response as, as uh, Ananias here? It says in that set of scriptures about Philip that when he, the Lord told him to do this, he didn't pray about it. He ran. It says he ran to that chariot. So in our growing and our learning to walk, the Lord know that yes, there's a beginning, but the Lord is going to take us from where we give the resistance, if you will. He knows how to take us from that place to where, like Philip, when we hear his voice, we're going to run. We're going to run to do his will. We're going to run to that chariot. We're going to run to that circumstance. The Holy Spirit, we've talked in times past, in John 14 through 16 and in 1 John, just some references there about the Holy Spirit, but it says he will guide us into all truth. He will lead us into all truth. Proverbs, in the early chapters, talks a lot about instructing as a father instructing his son. God just doesn't toss you into the water and say, okay, sink or swim. He doesn't work that way. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit know that there is a time process involved here. And He wants us to know that. It's not like He stands there with His arms crossed. Well, how long is it going to take? He doesn't do that. And as a child of God, as a servant of the Most High, as a brother and a sister in the Lord, and looking to our example, Jesus, before Jesus did any ministry at all, you know what the Father did and said to the Son? Not based on His performance, not what He did or didn't do, He said, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. He's well pleased with each one of us. It doesn't mean that we have to do X, Y, and Z to gain that love. He paid the ultimate price 
so that we could enter in and be what he said he's called us to be. His sons, his daughters, more than conquerors. All of those things, those are not spiritual attaboys. Those are creative, universe-making, resurrecting, life-giving, prevailing over the enemy, words of life, active words. So, on another practical note, and this is, this is easy, it's easy to overlook and take for granted, but you know in 1 Corinthians 13, and I don't, don't ever want us to underestimate or take it for granted, but you know, in, in 1 Corinthians 13, we know it as the love chapter, and it says, if you have faith to move mountains, if you give your body to be burned, you, you know the list. that he says, but if you don't have love, you've got nothing. And it made me wonder, if, if there wasn't love, and I stress it, if there wasn't love in this congregation, what would those words of, what would those gifts look like? Would there be any gifts? And I would, th- I would suspect that the words would be few. The words may be more convicting the words would not manifest in terms of pointing to the Lord, but there'd be something else that would be manifest in the way that it's presented. I'm just, what I'm saying is on the basis of that scripture, if there isn't love, when I see us doing a meet and greet, when I see people talking in the hallway, when I walk in the North X or walk in here, I can sense the love. The Holy Spirit bears witness you can walk into a room, you felt this, if there's tension, you go into a place where there's division, you go into a place where there's ought, where you can go into a place where there's unresolved conflict. If it's not settled right away, you, it'll build and you can sense it. And I just wonder, what kind of words, what would they look like if there wasn't love? And so in the whole thing, of the Lord being patient. 1 Corinthians 8.1 says, knowledge puffs up, love builds up. And in the gifts, it's the expression of God's love. It's the expression of God's love to us. And, And I'd rather be at a place with a first time in a place that's filled with love than trying to learn the gift with no love. And so what am I doing? I'm commending you, body, to the glory of God for the love that is present in this place because that's an environment where God is free to work then. So the second point that I want to make here under the practical observations is that No matter the gift, but speaking in terms of prophecy, but no matter what the gift, it's going to be an ongoing process. There will never come a day where you know all there is to know about the gift. And just let me say this as a safeguard, and I say this to myself as well. Something Pastor Nick said years ago that has stuck with me through the years, and that's this. You can never brag about, never ever, 
something that's been given to you. So let me follow on the heels of, you know, saying that there's a first time. Don't compare yourself to other people. I can remember, for those of you who are here, long timers, no disrespect to the youngsters, the Bill and Eva Dooleys, the Rod and I, Uncle Billups, you can probably think of a few others who were mature and moving in their gift. And that would be a little intimidating to, to, um, Wow, I'm going to go and um, you got to love it. (laughs) But don't be intimidated. God, even those people had a beginning. It's not like they got all of a sudden up there and then they start, you know, laying hands on people and the gifts. Everyone, everyone has a beginning. And if you would ask them, they would tell you that. But I think for our benefit, in the season that we're in, it's important to know that. So it's an on-growing experience. And in that on-growing experience, there is, um, there is no one-size-fits-all. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. So, it's not that you just, that God speaks in one way. God speaks in many, many ways to us. But it's the same Lord. And so we saw dreams, we saw visions. God gives pictures. You know, when I first started, God just gave me a simple phrase about, I love you. And then as, as I learned to, to, to step out, then God would just, it started by God giving me just a section of scripture. But as time went on, then God, God started to show me other ways that he speaks, that he's just not limited to giving me a set of scriptures. But that's good. But let me, let me say this also with a set of scriptures. It's important for us to have, a, to have the word of God treasured up in our heart. You give the Holy Spirit an arsenal with which to work. And if you're not sure, but the, 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 the thing is, if you've got the word treasured up in your heart, then when this thing, the picture, whatever, how the Lord is speaking to you, you've got a resource right there in, in your heart, in the word, to be able to test it out right away. I'm going to speak to that in just a minute. And something else that's equally important. And this could be when, when a person exercises their gift and it hits the target and ministers to your heart, let them know that. I'll tell you, on more than one occasion, the enemy loves to come up and try to steal whatever he can away from that moment and that opportunity. And I know the person is stepping out and God honors the stepping out But when you go and tell that person, wow, that really ministered to me, you've done something to help that joint in the body supply and grow in his confidence in hearing in the Lord. Don't ever underestimate that. 
These are just some practical things that through the years, and I tell you what, I just, I'm amazed, but God is good. God is good at taking us where we are and moving us forward. So don't compare yourself to others. You, God's got gifts for you, and he wants you to learn in the same way as a child learning to walk, as, as Wayne had shared. And <clears throat> so going forward from here then, the definition of prophecy, a spontaneous message given by the Holy Spirit to a believer to speak to a specific person or group at a specific time, to speak forth the mind and counsel of God under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. And there's another aspect to that, and that's to foretell of, foretell of things to come. We see things like that in the scripture where Jesus spoke to the Magi. Um, Noah being told to build an ark. Build an ark. God sometimes gives prophetic words to warn people about what is to come. And we see that. We see it in the scripture. The scripture is a more sure word of prophecy. So in that more sure word, what are some of the things that he tells us? He says in the last days, these things will come. In the last days, there will be a shaking. And as... But along with those words that may seem kind of scary... God also says these things. In this world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He also says, and I like this verse, the way of the wicked, this is in Proverbs chapter 4, by the way. Proverbs chapter 4, the way of the wicked is his darkness. They know not what at, the, at, they know not at what they stumble. But the path of the righteous the path of the righteous shines brighter and brighter unto the perfect day. No matter what's going on in the world, here is a prophetic word that says the path of the righteous will shine brighter and brighter. And that says something about the character of God in the prophetic word. And that's important too. <clears throat> so, And so I, I've had the opportunity, you know, and I'm still learning. And God's speaking in terms of, of giving me scripture and then God giving me pictures and then God giving me um, some words. And, and let me just say this. God can use some different things to to make a point and, and let me so what I'm trying to say is that worship in this whole thing of prophecy I have I'm not I can't even speak to the whole of how worship ties in with prophecy but we live in a day and an age where everything is loud sorry I didn't mean to bust, bust anybody's ears but we what we have what's important is that you remember the story of Elijah? God gives him a cake. He eats the cake. He goes to the mountain Horeb. And there 
he, he goes to the cave, he comes outside of the cave and he sees the mountain, you know, just blowing up and hears the mighty wind. But what was the voice of God there? Still small voice. And what we have to learn to do is to shut out the other voices, to quiet our spirit. And worship is just a practical tool. I love this quote. Tom gave this quote months and months ago, but it is so apropos. Worship is the strategy by which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. I like that. Because that changes the whole field of battle, the whole field of play. He is ultimately the one who sets the terms. And so when I quiet my spirit, and in that passage, what was Ananias doing? He was in a quiet time. And God spoke to him. So that's, I just thought, you know, it's not, it's just, I thought that was just such a good gem about worship that I threw it in here with, with the gift of prophecy and looking at that. So the purpose of prophecy, according to 1 Corinthians 14.3, the purpose of prophecy, edification, to exhort, and to comfort. I like that because you know what? That sets up boundaries here. And so just let me give you one example which I thought some people don't readily think about. I want to talk about, just for a moment, David and Nathan. We all are familiar with what, Nathan, with what David did. But what did Nathan receive? Nathan received a word. And it was about the man who had a lot of sheep, and then here's the guy with the one sheep. You know the story. But the thing is that with that word... Nathan went with a right heart to David, gave him this picture, and Nathan said, you're the guy. Was it condemning? No. Was it convicting? You better believe it. It wasn't accusatory. It wasn't condemning. It didn't put down. The goal of that prophecy there was to restore. I could think of a hundred other examples about prophecy and edifying, but here I thought there was one that here we see it that it's important to have the right heart. If you're going to share a prophetic word, it's, it's a part of the test, which I'll get to in a minute. So in edification, getting back to this, the act of building up the one who promotes another's growth in the Lord, the, one, the act of one who promotes another growth in Christian wisdom, piety, and wholeness in the things of God. And so, <clears throat> we see this. If you want a great place just to look at that kind of speaks to this, read Paul's letter to Timothy, the first and second epistles. He calls him his son in the faith. He, he tells him, you know what? You have not received a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. So here in Paul saying those words to Timothy, he's just not giving him 
something that sounds nice. nice. He's giving, he's building him up. That same power that creates worlds, that same power that breaks the power of sin and brings forth life. When he says that God has not given you a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind, He's speaking something into being, calling the things that are not as though they be. We hear that, but let that sink in for a minute. That's exactly what he's doing. We saw that with Abraham, but there with Timothy, and he knows exactly what to say to build up an area in our life where we're lacking. God's the builder of this house, and God knows how to build every room according to the specs that he's ordained, and he gives the grace to do that. So uh, edification. One thing in writing to Timothy. Exhortation. A calling near to one side especially for help. To admonish, to urge one to pursue some course of conduct. So Joshua, before he goes into the promised land, we're familiar with the people that that the Lord wants, uh, the promises that the Lord spoke to the people about be strong and courageous. But there's something else that I want to say in terms of exhortation to be able to move forward. And that's, this is what the Lord said to Joshua. He says, just as I was with Moses, I will be with you. If you feel like you've gotten over your head, but here is a word of here's a word of exhortation to pursue. And how can you pursue? I'm going with you in this direction all the way. And last, comfort. It means speaking closely to anyone with a greater degree of tenderness. You know, I I just wanted to share a testimony last week when the Lord gave gave me a word from a worship song and that's what he did. He highlighted the word of a worship song. We could sing a song dozens of times, but when the Lord highlights and energizes it and just brings life to it, I came up here and I shared what the Lord gave me and I didn't know what was going to happen there. But I could tell you that when I started to do that, I was just flooded. I was just flooded with comfort. And it was like, okay, the dam's burst. There's no point in me trying to hold back. I'm just going to go in and ride that wave of the Holy Spirit, if you will, of comfort. And you, you saw that. That was God at work. That was comfort. Going to that place where the person hurts and building them up to be able to go forward at their point of need. So quickly, let me go to this. Prophecy is to be tested. <clears throat> the place where I work, there are people, some of them I would say they ridicule, criticize, but to me, there's a, there's a comment, there's a, there's a compliment in there. At the place where I work and what I do, when I'm done with a project, I sign my name to it. The Lord has gifted me with the eye of detail. If I catch a mistake, I, I, I address it before I go and sign my name. When I sign my name to that work, I'm saying it's good to go, it's done. So they, so they jokingly say, okay, Daryl's got a 120-point inspection program with the project that I've worked on. 
But I'm saying this, that little story there, to make this point. The Lord expects us to test what he, when he speaks to us. He expects us to do that. At the end of 1 Corinthians 14, it says the word of the prophet, the word that says prophecy is to be tested. So, in saying that, the Bible is the ultimate and final authority to test prophecy. We need to measure every thought, word, and deed by that standard. And when, I, and when God gives me something, I say, okay, God, chapter and verse, please. You know, I can get a picture and I could be wowed by that, but if it doesn't line up with Scripture, I don't care what it is. It could be in technicolor. It could be in high definition. But if it doesn't agree with the Scripture, so the very first thing out of my mouth, chapter and verse, please, does this violate, this picture, does it violate any teaching or principle in the Scripture? Does it edify or condemn? We just had those boundaries. Edify, comfort, and exhortation. If it doesn't fall into one of those categories or to restore, then it's highly suspect. How is, and here's another thing then in the practicality of testing. How was the word delivered to you? I could tell you a story about a time when a car, my, my car broke down. And this is the first voice that I heard. If you are really God's man of faith, you should be able to lay your hands on that car and it'll start right up. And there was no peace in that voice whatsoever. It just was, ugh. It just like, if you are so high and mighty. It just had that air to it. That voice came and went. The second voice came. This is what it said. What can you believe me for? Now, who do you think that second voice was? So I said, that's easy. Cast all your cares upon you because you care for me. That was the level of faith of where I was at. So to finish the story with the car, I said, God, I'm casting this care upon you because you care for me. I didn't lay my hands on the car. Right at that moment, a police car came by, came in, stopped, called on his radio, tow truck came, took it to the dealership, fixed the part which was under warranty, and I was back on the road again. But it's, it was a simple word. What can you believe me for? And then one of the things, and I've told Dan this many times, I pray and ask for confirmation. When I'm sitting there and I'm worshiping the Lord, and the Lord gives me a word, I'll pray about it, and I'm starting this, this test, you know, the testing it out. And lo and behold, okay, lo and behold, lo and behold, Dan, Dan, will, be, Dan, Dan will start blabbing out what the Holy Spirit's been spe speaking to me. So we hear a word, ask God for confirmation. He's, he will do that. If you're not sure, go to someone who's, more, who's been established in the gift or go to an elder and ask them. There's been times when I've gone to Pastor Nick or someone else that, else that I could trust my heart to who wouldn't throw me under the bus and ask them for confirmation. Does this fit in with the flow of the service? And, they, and you know what Pastor Mick, Nick told me? He said, you know, don't worry. If it doesn't fit in, we'll tell you. But you know what that did for me? It's, it freed me up that I, I, to, to be able to give the word that they would come and tell me instead of letting fear rule my decision. 
Does the word exalt, glorify, and point to Jesus? And finally, an inner witness to what is being spoken to you. My sheep hear my voice, the voice of a stranger they will not follow, but will run for it from it, for they know not the voice of the stranger. God wants you to know and hear his voice with the intent of building your faith and confidence in recognizing his voice. So in my concluding, concluding thing is, is this. There came, there was a Sunday a while back, teacher installation Sunday, where God gave me a word about God's love. I shared that word. Afterwards, one of the teachers came up to me and said, you don't know how powerfully that word was that you shared. I was a baby that was going to be aborted. And that was a trauma that that person had carried for a long time. You don't know when you, when you speak that word what God will release and what he will do in that person. And what I've, just one, one last thing, and that's this. I have found that when God starts speaking to me in a specific way, yes, I've given these tests, but God will usually work with on a specific thing of growing me in the confidence to hear his voice in that way, and then he'll expand on it to be confident to hear his voice and then grow from there. So that's what I wanted to say today in terms of the gift of prophecy. So Lord, let's pray. Lord, I thank you that you are the giver of all good gifts. And Lord, I, I just ask this day that as you are the giver of all good gifts, I pray that you would uh, speak to our hearts how we can, that you would take us from faith to faith, that you would take us right where we're at. Everybody has a beginning. You have not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's more, Lord, there's more. There's more of you that we want. We will not be satisfied. We thirst. We thirst for more of you. We thirst to, to know you. We thirst to grow in your love. You love us with a love that goes beyond our understanding. And, and we want to know you more. We want to grow in your love. We do not want to add you to our life. We give our lives to you in full surrender that you would live your life in us every moment of every day. Father, help us to unwrap, and Holy Spirit, help us to unwrap the gifts that you give to us and let each one of us know and experience the awe and wonder of your great love and the gifts that you want and have for each one of us and to be good stewards of those things. In Jesus' name, amen.